0: Hey guys, what's going on? Jack Austin and Robert Lamb here from Seven Lamb Productions. How's it going? We are here, as always, to talk about the newest episode. What is it, Jack? From Fever Dreams, a pulp collection called Crimson Star. Now, we actually had a big hand in this one. A lot to do with this one, yep. We helped adapt it, and we have several uh, Seven Lamb actors who are starring in it. Including, uh, most of all. Uh, and and, and Of all the other shows that we've done But I am actually the lead in this one One of the three But our good friend Gina Coyle is one of the other leads Yeah, that's true And she's fantastic This one's kind of a sci-fi, horror-ish Fantasy, thriller It's got a lot of Some vampire elements in it But um, I think you guys are really going to dig it So stay tuned
1: 1918 the Great War. War to end all wars. Rages in the trenches of St. mihiel salient France. I head up a team of stretcher bearers. We were short men right now, so I was forced to make a run on my own. Picked up a corporal who was shot, and now I was on my way back to the aid station. <coughs> Hang in there. Not much longer now. Thanks, Sarge. You got a name? Sergeant Sean Murphy.
0: Where you from, Sergeant Sean Murphy?
1: Philly, born and raised. <coughs> Gotta say, never thought I'd see the outside of PA, let alone a whole other country. What you do is honorable. Well, i love to help. <coughs> and we made it. Right when I opened up the back hatch, two orderlies ran up. That was some good driving. Here, this is for you. He pulled a stick of Spearman out of his ammo pouch. Thank you for the lift. You're welcome. Thank you for the gum. Since I was back at the aid station, I took the chance to visit Angelica.
2: I found her over in surgery with Dr. Coven. What's your preference? Removing the bullet or sewing up the leg?
3: You really need to ask.
2: Let me move the screen to block any peepers. That's when Dr. Coven
1: noticed me in the corner by the door. Soldier?
2: What are you doing in here? Don't worry, I won't snitch. Snitch? Snitch about what?
1: That you're letting the nurse cut. Nurse?
3: Sorry, uh, Dr. Coven. Almost have it.
1: I watched as she carefully dug into the patient's leg and removed a bloody bullet.
3: There we go.
1: Betty feels better already. You're
2: still here?
3: Aren't you the head stretcher bearer?
1: Yes, ma'am. Just brought in another patient. He gave me a gift, but I thought it best to give it to someone who does the
2: important work around here. A gift? I held the piece of spearman up. She smirked. Nurse, I'll clean up here. Go get some breakfast and rest. Afternoon rush will be here before you know it. And please get him out. <music>
3: It really is a beautiful country. And look at all the sheep. It's hard to believe there are so many so close to the front line.
1: Are you hungry? I could catch one for you.
3: That's sweet, but my cuisine of choice doesn't include mutton. Just gum? You know, you really shouldn't do that. Walk into surgery unannounced. I knew Sean was one who liked to take chances. It's one of the things that attracted me to him. But sometimes it was a bit much.
1: How come you didn't tell the doctor you knew me?
3: He wouldn't approve.
1: Because I'm a lowly sergeant?
3: Frank has nothing to do with it. You hear that? It was suddenly quiet. No sheep. No birds. Just a light breeze and the smell of... Germans, take cover! Sean pulled his sidearm. I said take cover! That's an order! But it was too late. The first bullet hit me square in the chest. Without thinking, I pushed Sean aside and charged. Two Germans were just coming out of the woods, behind a grouping of bushes. As they reloaded, I made my move, pouncing on the nearest one, an officer. I threw him back with one hand, while simultaneously unsheathing his sword with the other. I spun around, bringing the blade up, and in one smooth motion, sliced right through his neck, his body and head falling separately. I do love that you German officers still carry swords. Blades have always been my specialty. The other German had reloaded his weapon. I charged blade up. I was able to block each bullet until I was on the now frightened soldier. It was once again quiet. I sniffed the air, searching. Sean! Coast is clear! Sean? He was sprawled out on the ground, his clothes dripping blood. No, no, no! You're hit! How? <coughs> I tore his shirt open. Blood was pouring out of his chest wound. Sweetheart, we have to stop the bleeding. <coughs> I used his own finger to plug the hole, bluntly shoving it in. <coughs> I'm so sorry. We have to get you back to surgery. I lifted him up. If he wasn't in so much pain, I'm sure he would be shocked with the ease in which I carried him. But instead, his eyes were closed and his breathing weak. Within minutes, we were back at camp, but I stopped behind a tree and let him down to his feet. I'm sorry, Sean, but I have to act like you're heavy. Put your arm around my neck. Help!
2: Help! What happened?
3: Gunshot wound, right chest cavity. Heavy blood loss. Severe respiratory distress.
2: What do you recommend?
3: I did a quick glance around the room, realizing we were the only two in here. The cook who helped me carry Sean in was now gone. Nurse? Not now, Daddy. He's drowning in his own blood. He also made a quick scan, nervously looking around the room. We have to open him. Clear the field, remove the bullet, sew him up.
2: There's not enough time, Ange.
3: Then we close off the right lung. Let the left one take over.
2: You know his chances are low.
3: Daddy, we have to save him. I'm in love with him. (coughs) Our doctor-nurse relationship was gone. I was speaking to my father now, hoping he would understand. Please, Dad.
2: You know they're watching us. They'll send Van here. You won't be able to hide this.
3: Van Heeren was a tracker, and even though he was like us, the Organization used him to take care of Rule Breakers. And once given orders, he never backed down.
2: The penalty would be death for you both
3: but with your help. And, and, and we could move, run. We've done it before. We can do it again.
2: Ange, he'll still track us down. You know that.
3: Please. We intensely stared at each other. He knew I wouldn't stop.
2: Do it quickly.
3: He left the room, leaving just me and Sean. <coughs> Don't worry, sweetheart. After this, you'll feel much better. I had one more quick look around to make sure no one was watching. Then I bit down into his neck.
4: No one seemed to pay me any mind as I made my way through the camp, which was odd, but good. And while I could easily take out half the platoon left to guard this area, there wasn't any need for violence just yet. Orders had changed. I was only here to talk to Dr. Coven. Van! You don't seem surprised. He was sitting on his cot, leaning over a
2: steaming cup of coffee. The only thing I'm surprised about is that it took you a whole week to find us. I had prior engagements. Those engagements left some blood on your shirt.
4: I looked down at the dried splatters and smirked. You know why I'm here. There's a penalty for turning a thermic.
2: I'll take full responsibility.
4: You know the organization won't let me eliminate you but the rules are the rules nonetheless. Besides, you aren't the one who violated them. Your daughter doesn't have the same protection.
2: She did it under my orders.
4: He was sticking up for his daughter. Anyone with two eyes and a bit of sense could see that.
2: I don't believe you, and it doesn't change a thing. You can't hurt her. She's integral to finding the suppressant. Without her, who will do the research?
4: That was his shield. The organization had sent Dr. Coven and his daughter here long ago to find a cure, a vampirism cure. But while some thermics turned vampires thought it was to help them, it was actually being developed for another reason. Food sources were running low where we came from. Us cerisians needed fresh blood. We needed thermics. Once a thermic was turned, that meant one less body to donate blood. The rate for which thermics were turning was too much for our population, and eventually food sources would be wiped out. So it was up to Dr. Coven
2: and his daughter.
4: You're supposed to be fixing the problem, Doctor. And yet, she broke a cardinal rule.
2: I need her, Van. Hmm.
4: I'll see what the organization has to say before I act, but I will follow their orders. And with that, I left. I may be one of them, but I was also a hunter. And if the organization gave the order, I wouldn't hesitate for one moment to take another vamp's life. For now, they were safe, but just for now.
1: Hundred years have now passed with our community having to pull up stakes and move from town to town, state to state, and even country to country about every 10 to 15 years. We recently settled in the eastern Appalachian town of Aquedama, Kentucky, where I run the Crimson Star Pub and my wife, Angelica, is a senior researcher and medical doctor at the local clinic. I walked into the clinic and up the stairs where I almost bumped into the nurse, Natalie. Oh, morning, Natalie.
5: Hey, Sean. You here to bring Dr. Covine Murphy one of your specialty drinks for lunch?
1: I held up the bottle and smiled as I walked past and entered the lab.
3: Hey, Dad, take a look at what's happening in my microscope. Dad and I have been working to find a suppressant for the virus for well over a century now. So many times we thought we were close, only to be disappointed in the end.
2: Whoa, yeah, this looks promising. Now take a look.
3: Oh, the larger organisms are swelling, then exploding, and the smaller ones consume the remains.
2: Cleaning up after themselves. This is promising indeed.
3: After decades of setbacks, we were finally seeing progress. Harness that, and we might also have a restoration cure. I noticed Dad glance past me. I followed his gaze... As usual, Sean could be found in the corner of the room. Sean's lurking irked Dad to no end.
2: Hello, Sean. uh, hey, look, microscope.
3: We both spun around to see foam rising from the Petri dish.
2: Ang, look out.
3: Where's it all coming from? Sean ran across the room and slammed the contamination alarm.
2: Get out. Go, go, go.
3: Once we were clear, Dad hit the decontamination switch.
2: You were on the ball, Sean. Good thing I was lurking, huh?
1: Dad rolled his eyes.
2: Come on, quickly, to the showers.
3: Thirty minutes later, I was clean and looking over some notes in my office.
1: You ready for lunch?
3: I'm not really hungry. I was really hoping we were ready for trials. Now I'm not so sure if what just happened was a good sign or a disastrous one. And...
1: Well... I know, Ange.
3: Sean leaned forward and put his hand on mine. He knew exactly what I was thinking. Ever since his transformation, the organization had kept a close eye on us. Which meant Van Heeren did, too. There was no hiding. And every setback meant danger for both me and Sean.
4: When I walked into the police station, I saw the sergeant slide his feet off the desk and start acting busy. Uh... Can I help you? Deputy U.S. Marshal Van Hearn, just letting you know I'm in town. For? Tracking a fugitive. The chief in? Upstairs. The organization isn't happy. How long have we been waiting for a fix? And what do we get? A destroyed lab and back to zero. A minor setback. I didn't really expect cooperation. This community seemed to want to ignore its commitment to the organization, the chief included. Some are saying enough is enough. Too many setbacks. Also, she violated a cardinal rule and still hasn't suffered the consequences. I heard that was a long time ago. Yes, well, after yet another mishap, maybe it's time for punishment. Is that the decision of the leaders of the organization or the hunter? The chief had a lot of nerve to ask a question like that. He knew my role in all of this, as I did his. For him to question my motives, he's lucky I don't go get my crossbow from the car and put one right through his heart. You expect me to go rogue? Please. I'm acting on the orders of those leaders. Have you ever questioned the morality of those orders? The will of the entire community? You should understand. Rules are rules. Yes, and one of them is to protect and serve. One more mishap, Chief. That's what the organization says. One more mishap or broken rule, and you can be damned sure I'll be back.
1: Several days passed since the lab incident, and once again, Angelica didn't have time for lunch. She was busy as all hell, so I thought I'd surprise her with a meal.
3: That grin on your face tells me you're experimenting with lunch again.
1: I spun around to see her enter the break room. Well? With a limited diet, it took a bit of effort to change things up. Picture this. Tamari, Kashmiri chili, pinch of salt, and an oh-so-tiny touch of wasabi. And for the finale, type AB positive.
3: Many would literally kill for that AB positive. Where'd you get it?
1: I was making a booze run to Lexington and came across a bloodmobile run by one of our kind. Made a deal with the driver. Here, try it.
3: Oh, sweetheart, that is amazing. Yeah, I'm
1: glad you like it. I took pride in my concoctions. often thought back to that moment Angelica helped me, turned me so that I may continue living, so that I could be with her. But it still worried me about her work. She took a chance on me and that's why we were constantly watched, so it was important to keep things moving. Well, I wasn't as experienced or as smart as Angelica, I tried to make her happy and help in any way I could. Even with the small stuff, like making her meals. How's your lab work coming?
3: Great. No more foaming. Now I need to get back to work. Do you mind if I take this?
0: It's for you.
5: So, Sean, did you make enough for me this time?
1: Sorry, Natalie, just the one. New recipe, just ran it by my test subject. And? Passed with flying colors. Come on by the Crimson Star tonight and I'll have a new batch up. Premium prices, though.
5: I'm sure it's worth it. Speaking of test subjects, seems like Angelica's research is going well. Oh,
1: I never get the details, but she does seem optimistic.
5: I think she'll be ready for test subjects soon. I volunteered to recruit a few, but she told me to hold off for now.
1: Well, I've offered myself before, but... Joe's declines. Angelica wouldn't let me take part, but I really wanted to help. Making drinks wasn't enough.
5: You know, Sean, I could maybe... borrow a test sample that I'd be willing to trade for a couple of servings of your special cocktail.
1: You know what? You got a deal, Natalie. A few hours later, and Natalie showed up at the pub. She was serious about the trade. I guess my recipes were just that good. Ready? Let's go to my office. This would be an important breakthrough if it worked. Angie and her father had spent so much time on it. Now was my chance to help. But I was nervous. But it's not like a little shot can hurt me. Thermics get vaccines all the time, and this is just a suppressant. You want a hot drink or a cold one? Make
5: mine 98.6.
1: Of course. You got the suppressant?
5: It's a big shot. Dosage for a pig. How
1: much should I take?
5: I'd say half.
1: That night, after my shot, I started to feel weird. I was really tired. I'd fallen asleep in my office a couple times, only to be woken up by the staff banging on my door. Now I sat at the bar, forcing myself to stay up. I was so hungry, but not for one of my cocktails, which was odd. That's when I noticed old man Jim at the far end of the bar eating a burger. And for some reason it looked so good. I hadn't craved a burger in forever. Was the suppressant working? I went to the kitchen and made the burger for myself. I couldn't believe I was doing this, but it had to be a good sign, right? After I finished my meal, I knew I had to tell Ange. A burger. I actually craved and ate a burger. I told the staff I'd be back shortly and went out the back way. Sean, oh boy, you're a freaking hero. Ange may not be happy that I volunteered myself to be a test subject, but when she finds out it worked, I rush through the alley. Ready to give Ange the good news when all of a sudden. <laughs> why am I so dizzy? What's happening to me? There
3: you are. You're looking much better.
1: I'm feeling better. What happened?
3: What happened? You passed out in the alley outside the pub. Luckily, Smo Negative was able to perk you right up.
1: Where are we?
3: home sweetheart. Oh. I'm worried about you. Why? Why? You passed out. That's why. And I think it's my fault.
1: Did she know about the shot?
3: Your fault? I know I've been busy with my research, but you've been busy too. With the bar and the new recipes. Not to mention taking care of me. I think it's all catching up to you.
1: She helped me undress as the warm water started to steam up in the room. I felt bad not telling her the truth.
3: Sean, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, if you say so.
1: Maybe it wasn't the right time just yet. I wasn't completely sure what had happened to me. But I felt satiated now. There were no more cravings. Was that a good sign? She mentioned how blood had revived me. Was I back to my old ways? If that were the case, I definitely couldn't tell her. The next day in the clinic, Natalie approached me in the break room as I was storing more cocktails for Ange.
5: So? Well, how'd it go last night, Sean? What do you mean? After the, you know...
1: Oh, yeah. I started craving meat, but after I had some, I really didn't feel so good. And then apparently I passed out and Ange perked me up with some oneg. I haven't wanted real food since.
5: Oh, geez. I'm glad you're okay. Well, That's too bad, though. I was really hoping it would last.
1: Yeah, me too. I grabbed a cocktail for myself. After yesterday, I deserved it. Left one in there for you, too, Natalie. <laughs> Thanks. When I got outside, I popped the top and gulped down my drink. Within seconds, my stomach churned. The same queasy feeling hit me, like after the burger, but this wasn't red meat. This was one of my favorite cocktails. This was AB positive. Oh, shit. Not again. I stumbled back and fell into some bushes. A moment later, everything went dark.
3: It had been a long day today, and I couldn't wait to hop in the shower. I rushed upstairs and got undressed. All the lights were off, which meant Sean wasn't home yet. I was so busy today that I hadn't checked up on him. I know he's around, though, because I saw more drinks in the break room at work. But I started feeling guilty, especially after his episode outside the bar last night. As I climbed into the shower, I heard the front door. Oh, good. He was home. Must have been a long day for him, too. Sean, you're just in time to scrub my back. Help. Are you okay? Why are you dirty and bloody?
1: Angela, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just started craving thermic flesh, and it took me over.
3: Is this how you felt yesterday?
1: Today, it's worse.
3: What did you do, Sean?
1: I'll tell you. First, you have to promise me you won't get mad at Natalie.
4: I couldn't believe I was already back in this small, rustic town. I knew this wasn't going to go well. But when the organization speaks, I have no choice but to act. I walked past Sergeant Smith, not even giving him the chance to pretend to be busy, and went right for the chief's office. We got a problem. I threw a newspaper on his desk, open to the story of the two dead hikers up on Summer's Peak. Sean went feral and killed them. How do you know it was him? Looked like a bear attack to me. Save your fabrications for the Thermex report. What are you saying? I know it was him, and it was a failed suppressant that did it. And before you throw out any other theories, just know that I have my ways for discovering the truth. Is this a personal vendetta van? I've had my orders for a long time now. I told you, one more mishap. Sean Murphy being feral was bad news for our kind. The last thing the organization wanted was another factor to eliminate the food supply for us Ceresians. Feral beings couldn't be controlled or monitored. And they were also known to attack anyone and anything in their bloodlust. Do you expect me to sit back and let you take out two of our own? One of which is essential to our long-term existence? She's had enough time. If she was going to do it, it would have been done by now. I guess I have my answer. Answer to what? On what's more important to you, our well-being or following orders. Didn't he understand? I was just doing my job. So what are you saying, Chief? He's coming. He knows about Sean. He knows what? I took a dose of the latest trial. You did what? I wanted to help.
1: I was forced to close the bar early. The Chief had showed up with Dr. Coven and Angelica. Apparently Van Hearn had his orders and wasn't backing down. He was last seen pulling up outside the clinic, but
2: he'd be here soon. But why would Van come here unless... It didn't work, did it?
3: It changed Sean.
2: So what Van says is true.
3: But it means we're on the right track.
2: This isn't good, Angelica. I turned him away back in St. Malay. I won't be able to turn him away again. Doc, you need to leave. If something happens to you, we've lost our leader.
3: The Chief is right. This is my mess. I'm the one who fell in love with the Thermic. No...
1: Ange, if I hadn't jumped the gun and jabbed myself, the
0: target wouldn't be on your back.
4: None of that matters now. He's here.
1: The Chief had his mini-crossbow. Angelica had her sword. But all I had was a measly knife. Regardless, we were as ready as we could be.
3: Fan mostly uses his crossbow. We need to move fast and bring the fight up close and personal.
1: Sounds like a plan. Dr. Coven wasn't a fighter. He stayed behind the three of us. This reminded me so much of the trenches. Just waiting on the Hun to cross the berms. And just like the Hun, Van wasted no time to attack. The crossbow bolt came through the window and hit the Chief right through his heart. Gah! We all dove to the ground as Chief fired a bolt into the ceiling and took his last breath. I kicked the table over and pulled the hinge behind it. We stayed hidden as the front door burst open.
4: I know you're all here. Where's Dad?
1: She peered around a fallen chair to see her father rising from the floor. Van approached with a crossbow and sword. Looked like he was ready for anything.
2: (coughs) Van, what are you doing? Dad, don't!
1: I had to hold Ange back. We had a deal! That's when I noticed the Chief's mini-crossbow was missing from the floor. I looked to the doctor. He was holding it behind his back. It was loaded and ready. That was before, Doc. Things have changed? That's right. Oh, that's too bad. Dr. Coven pulled the crossbow, but before he could aim it at Van... Ah! No! He was shot.
4: Now, I've been ordered to take out anyone standing between me and my targets. No more protections.
1: Ange tried to crawl to her father, but I held her tightly. Ange,
4: don't. He's dead, I'm I'm sorry, but he's dead. We have to stick to the plan. You can come out now, Dr. Coven Murphy. I am sorry about your father. I hated to do that, but it was necessary. Why? Rules are rules. Dr. Coven may not have realized, but he was expendable. I still need your husband, though. If you surrender him, I'll let you walk.
3: If I couldn't let him go a century ago, what makes you think things have changed now?
4: He's not a thermic or a vamp anymore. He's something else entirely. He's dangerous, and that's why the organization needs him gone. This is your last chance.
3: Not going to happen.
4: I've never failed the organization before, and I don't intend on failing them now.
1: As Van slowly approached, I could see the anger rising in Andy's face.
3: I won't let him kill you, too. You go for the crossbow. I'll go for him.
1: And wait! What? We won't be able to win this way.
3: Yes, we can. Like you said, stick to the plan.
1: No, even if we kill him, they'll just send someone else after us. It'll never stop.
3: What are you suggesting?
1: Keep him busy for as long as you can. She seemed confused but determined. We were out of time. Van was no more than ten feet away. Go! She nodded then quickly spun out from behind the table. Van fired but missed. She kicked a stool at him knocking him on his back. But he wasn't down long. He rolled away as her sword slammed into the floor. (sighs) He reached for his crossbow but she knocked it away with a simple swing.
4: Okay. Swords it is.
1: Now is my chance. As they fought, I slipped into the shadows.
4: Give him up and you can live.
3: I won't. And after what you did to my father, you'll be lucky to leave here with your head. Van may be stronger, but I was more agile. I kept us moving around the room, clearing the tables
4: and chairs as we fought. Think about the greater good, Doctor. I am. No. Your emotions are getting the better of you.
3: I led Van around the room until I spotted Sean in the corner, standing there in the shadows, lurking like he always did. He gave me a slight nod, so I led Van to him. Whatever Sean had planned, I hoped it worked.
4: This is fun, dear, but I'm getting tired.
3: (laughs) Then stop.
4: No. Tired of wasting my time. Where is he? I
3: thrust my sword forward, causing Van to jump back.
4: Where is he? behind you.
3: Sean burst from the darkness and jabbed Ben in the shoulder with a syringe right into his deltoid.
4: <clears throat>
3: Finn threw him off with ease.
4: <sighs> what was that? What did you stick me with?
3: I was curious myself.
1: <laughs> Looks like you and I aren't so different now.
3: That was the trial suppressant?
1: Natalie brought me too much. Only took half the dosage. That was the other half. I don't believe you. Soon you'll be craving red meat. and you'll know it's true. You son of a-
3: He raised his sword and took a step towards Sean, but Sean didn't budge.
1: You're feral. Like me.
3: Van held his sword over Sean's head, but he was unable, or really unwilling, to bring it down. <sighs> After a few agonizing seconds, Van lowered his sword. You have your choice now, Van. Walk away from the organization's orders. Or kill yourself after you kill us.
4: Why would I kill myself?
3: Rules are rules, aren't they? I could see the rage inside of him. He didn't want to believe it to be true. I do have one other option for you. I continue my research to perfect the suppressant, then work to reverse what's happened to you and Sean.
4: What if the organization doesn't go for it?
3: I imagine they'll terminate you and send another hunter for both of us.
4: So
1: it'd be in all of our best interests if you just kept this to yourself. And what about the organization?
4: What do I tell them?
3: You never fail, right? You tell them that Sean is dead. You completed your mission. I could see him contemplating all this new information. He seemed like he was about to say something when he suddenly started wobbling. Then, before he could muster up a response, he fell to the floor. Knocked out cold.
1: Looks like he needs to sleep on it.
3: Do you think this will work?
1: I don't know. Even if he chooses us over the organization, our problems may just be starting. And now... I looked over to the deceased, Dr. Coven. It's up to you, Ange. With your father gone, you'll have to lead the community. She too looked at her father. I could see her fighting back tears.
3: You're right, Sean.
1: I put my arm around her. But
3: will you help me?
1: Of course I said yes. It's all I ever wanted. Van Hearn eventually woke all feral-like. He was crawling all over the ground, sniffling and drooling. I wanted to laugh, but then I realized I must have been exhibiting the same behaviors every time I fainted. Van snapped out of it hours later in the clinic after Angelica gave him some own negative. Then Ange took blood samples from both of us and got to work. Weeks passed. Van lied to the organization, claimed that in addition to the chief and Dr. Coven, he took out little old me. I still have the Crimson Star, but I now have a manager to run it since I have to keep a low profile. Van took over the chief's vacancy. He told the organization it was to keep a close eye on Anne since she couldn't be trusted to follow the rules. Luckily, they believed him. She now has more room and time to work, but what does that hold for our future? I'm still infected. So's Van. Nights are rough. Own negative blood works to quell the desire for flesh, but only sometimes. Just to be safe, Ange locks me in a room during my episodes, so I'm not able to get out and harm anyone. I hope she finds a cure soon. I'm scared for what may happen if I was to ever get out. But in the meantime, I trust her and stay put, lurking in the corner, in the shadows.
0: Fever Dreams, a pulp collection, is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mandel, Robert Midas, Dan Benamore and Adam Prince in association with Robert Lamb and Jack Austin of Seven Lamb Productions. This episode, Crimson Star was directed and produced by Seven Lamb based on the teleplay by Bob Krieger and Gene Covert adapted for podcast by Bob Krieger, Gene Covert, Robert Lamb and Jack Austin. This episode was edited by Jackson McLennan original music by Durless Gonzalez cast members for this episode can be found in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you're listening. And subscribe now for future episodes. Hey guys, really hope you enjoyed Crimson Star as much as we did. Make sure to go online to feverdreamspodcast.com and give them a follow and be on the lookout for the next episode. And the next episode is called The Exterminator. Mild-mannered Marty Plotkin uses his knowledge as a pest exterminator to kill the men that killed his daughter. It's Charles Bronson meets the Orkin Man next time on Fever Dreams.
5: The Fable and Falling Network, where fiction producers flourish.
4: Greetings, people of Earth. My name is Schmo Branigan. I have hacked into this RSS feed with a promotional feature for the Wizard Scroll podcast, transcribing in 3, 2, 1.
1: Hold on, let me unfurl this Wizard Scroll real quick. My When out
4: of Baba boy.
1: nowhere, ten humongous scorpions
0: had surrounded the campsites. Tails outstretched. Hello, oh, welcome to McDonald's. Uh, can I get take your
4: order? As it says, what are you going to get? I don't um, know what I want. I'm going to get the double, uh, triple, uh, lobster. Oh, I'll take one too. Two Mclobsters? As if on cue, the camera
1: panned upwards. Directing everyone's attention towards the giant hot air balloon presently taking a pass over the stadium. Holy mother of sassafras, it's Gargond oh, Destroyer
2: oh,
1: leaping oh,
2: into the frame!
4: The wizard scroll is available on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and wherever else fine podcasts are found. This concludes today's promotional feature.